I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to Brexit The Final Countdown. We have 92 days to go. Uh, And what better way to count down to a new deal, no deal, May's deal, a two-year transition period, or whatever it might be, than with our Europe editor and man in Brussels, Joe Barnes. Hello. And our head of news, Paul Baldwin. Hello. Uh, I'm Rebecca Hudson, and we have got so much to get through. We've got a new cabinet. We've got Boris on tour. We've got stonewalling from the EU. We've got a lot of dead lamb. Have you heard about this? Uh, we we do apparently we're we're uh, about to pay five hundred million, million pounds to, to burn uh, burn a load of baby lambs. Not burn barbecue <laughs> barbecue. Um, and more actually to get through. So let's begin. Okay, so Boris is on tour, isn't he? He's been uh, travelling around this sceptred isle, uh, having pledged three hundred million pounds uh, funding for the devolved nations. Uh, so he was in Scotland on Monday, where he was um, greeted by a, a chorus of boos. Never likely to be a meeting combined, but no. uh, you have to remember the professional protesters will do what professional protesters Is do. That what they, they, were? they did it down here as well. Such a and the, and the, no, and the BBC, the BBC took it as somehow representational of the entire nation because a handful of students stood up and said "boo" to Boris. You heard it here first, okay? Yeah. Uh, he did wear was wearing a fetching windbreaker though with Prime Minister on it. Should we get you one? <laughs> okay. that says uh, podcast, podcast guest. Should there, yeah, should there be any confusion? Yeah, yeah. He's the Prime Minister. I think it, yeah, I think that was more for him than anyone else. Um, and then, but he obviously didn't like it, did he? Because he snuck out the back of Butte House after after being after the, re- the reception. Oh, that's never a good look. Uh, yes, no, nah, that wasn't cool. Yeah. Um, and then it couldn't get any worse because then he was in Wales yesterday, met with uh, Welsh First Minister Mark Drakeford in Cardiff and again was met by a, a echoing, booming, a bit, sort of a, a, more melodious indeed. because it was in Wales, chorus of boos. But again, remember, Mark Drakeford is the head of the Labour group and again, you will have, you know, whatever Boris goes, uh, from here on in, there will be a attendant rabble of people shouting boo to uh, Boris. Absolutely. But we have never, ever, ever in the history of this great art ever had a prime minister that was greeted by uh, boos. I doubt that's Wait, true. No, uh, come on. You've been around longer than I have. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I've seen loads of prime ministers booed. I've been in no, that crowd you, booing. Oh, you were a professional protester. You had it I was, yeah. But, you know, um, no, I, I don't think we can underestimate that this, is, that this is a marked turn in kind of national discourse that we're now booing a prime minister. There's the hashtag not my PM. It feels very Trumpian. Or am I being a little snowflakey, Joe? What do you think? Well, one thing Boris won't like is being booed because he's kind of seen as this lovable rogue. And even when he was in as London mayor, he kind of won over enough Labour voters, kind of the floating voters and Lib Dem voters, and was portrayed as this, as this character that people love. So he's not going to enjoy being booed because he, he does think quite highly of himself. Yeah, he does. And like well, the last when George Osborne was booed at the London Olympics, that was taken really seriously. That was a big deal, wasn't it, in response to austerity? And we'd never seen it before. And it I was think kind we of we might be getting slightly over. Like, I've booed more politicians than than <laughs> than I can count. Yeah, but you're so angry. Uh, <laughs> okay. and in the eighties, we did a lot of booing, <laughs> and the fact that a, a, a prime minister or an EMP is being booed up, like, he's not had an egg chucked at him yet. I mean, there's you know, surely Plen- that's there's plenty the... of time. We know it would be a dead lamb, won't it? <laughs> I've got no way to go. This is horrendous. Millions of British lambs might have to be slaughtered and then buried or burnt in the event of a no deal because we can't eat them. 
What the what the hell? This wasn't on the ballot paper, was it? It wasn't on the ballot paper, but uh, there's a lot that hasn't been on the ballot paper, and there's a lot that's still rhetoric and not actually real yet. Yeah, you're right. Like, a bit like the opening to the podcast, you're giving me the look to get it more serious. Okay, fine. So we're not particularly excited about Boris being booed, but maybe you both are going to be a bit more exercised by, the, you know, the fact that he's on this tour suggests that they're taking it pretty seriously, that this... Uh, no deal Brexit could be, or in fact, Brexit at all could be the end of the union. 400 years of, you know, harmonious partnership with some of the greatest devolved nations in the world. Um, he's taking, you know, that's obviously taking, they're plugging a load of money into these like rural forgotten communities. Um, do we think Boris would be prepared to sacrifice the union for, uh, that for Brexit? That's a good thing, isn't it? I mean... Um, no, it's great. It's great. It should have, been, it should have happened four absolutely. years ago. And five, I, don't, I don't see how trying to help the union is somehow being seen as the end of the union. He's doing I just it. don't follow the logic. The point was, is he reacting to the threat that it might be the end of the union if he goes through with no deal by doing this? Well, good. That's what politicians are supposed to do, isn't it? Respond to public feeling. That's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, but okay. So do you, but do you, do you, so do you think he'd be prepared to sacrifice the union for Brexit or no deal Brexit? No, not in a million years. He doesn't want to be prime minister that wrecks the union. No prime minister. So you does. think that it is a valid concern of mine and others that he's on this <laughs> tour to try and prevent Rebecca, that. all of your concerns I see as well. I'm not concerns. getting the vibe that you think anything I'm saying is valid <laughs> today, sweetie pie, but no, okay. No, not at all. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see that helping the union or attempting to help the union, which is what he's trying to do. Okay, I'm going to have a sensible conversation. Joe, what do you think? Do you think Boris is prepared to sacrifice... I can't even say it again. Joe, what do you think? <laughs> I don't think Boris himself is a true kind of conservative and unionist. He's more of a liberal, conservative, social liberal. So maybe... The union isn't his biggest priority, but he doesn't want to be the shortest-lived prime minister in British history. No, he doesn't want to be the last prime minister of the United Kingdom, does he? I mean, who yeah, wants that exactly. epitaph? So, yeah. So surely, despite all the rhetoric and all his no-deal rhetoric, he actually has a plan behind it all uh, that he's going to keep the United Kingdom, Great Britain, Northern Ireland together. Mm. And so the reason that Theresa May, according to Gavin Barwell, her former chief of staff, didn't pursue no-deal, because she genuinely believed that Northern Ireland would basically break away from the United Kingdom if, if she pushed for no deal. Mm. Um, Leo Brad, Did you see about Brad an hour ago, Joe, uh, Sinn Féin were calling for a border vote? Yes, it's dangerous. And so there is the looming threat of the end of the but, union but it's not gonna happen. It's under not, the it's umbrella not in, of Brexit. It's not uh, predicated in the peace agreement, so... Probably won't happen, but the fact that it, they are calling for it was interesting in itself, aren't you? Absolutely. Yes, okay. We'll call it interesting then. All right. <laughs> Joe, seriously. Um, so, he, so as well, he's trying, you can see he's working hard because he took uh, Arlene, Nigel Dodds and Jeffrey Donaldson out for a slap-up meal in Belfast last last night, didn't he? Um, after a pretty horrendous phone call with Leo Varadkar. Um, Joe, what do you know about that? Because there's this kind of throwaway remark that I'm sure Paul's about to rebuff anyway, saying that... Um, Johnson suggesting that we would stay in the single market and the customs union for two years, even if there was a no deal. Like, what's what's happening over there? Okay, let's, should, we, should we focus? We're focusing on the call. Let's there. focus, please. So, um, <laughs> Boris Johnson and Leo Varadkar had this phone call. Mm. Downing Street have been briefing out that Boris Johnson went on, and it's a feisty call. And he said, "Look, we're only going to sit down and talk if you promise to abolish the backstop." But then counter briefings came out of Dublin and say the one that I've got, uh, says Taoiseach emphasised to the Prime Minister that the backstop was a necessary as a consequence of decisions taken by and the UK government. So what they're saying is that Ireland aren't going to budge on the backstop, but Boris is, so we're just at loggerheads. 
Um, so again. by all accounts, it was quite a feisty rail. rail. Yeah, and again, we're, we're there again. I think Arlene um, Foster said something which which probably needs taken on board, which is that Mr. Radkar needs to dial down the rhetoric a little bit and, um, st- and, and start... It's not all one-sided. This it's two sides, and it needs to come to the table. And, and the the peace accord wasn't built on aggressive rhetoric. It was built on compromise and meeting in the middle and agreements. And, and I'm not seeing a lot of that from Mr. Vrankar, who let's remember has already said previously there will be an army on the Irish border. Now, which army he was referring to is very unclear. And his his uh, PR met uh, jumped in straight away and said, "What well, they want with the Irish army?" So I'm not sure which army he was referring to, but that kind of dangerously aggressive rhetoric is doing nobody any... But he's backed by the EU, right? He's got his pal across the channel, Mr. Macron. Like, he's, you know... Yeah, well, he, he's... he's, he's got a, you know, he, he feels like... Can I say he's the bitch with the EU? He's a lot, a lot of money. <laughs> um, 20 years ago, £8 billion was poured into Ireland, 13 14% of the uh, construction budget of the EU. And it created the Celtic Tiger. The the Irish economy absolutely, um, you know, exploded. And I think he wants a bit of that. At the moment, Ireland is just about a net contributor by a tiny bit. But what he obviously wants is to get back to having that eight billion pounds getting bunged across. And why mm-hmm. wouldn't he? I don't. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying that he needs to grow up a bit and see that he's he's starting to use slightly difficult, shall we say, rhetoric. Joe, do you think is there any? Is anyone else echoing Paul's sentiment that he's dragging his feet, or, well, it, or that he's, it, he's... It, it's it's kind of hard to judge because in the when we agreed to extend Brexit until the thirty first of October, Theresa May signed a legally binding European Council conclusion that said the time can't be used to renegotiate the withdrawal agreement, which includes the backstop. So Varadkar is literally only just reiterating an agreement made by the British government and by the EU twenty seven governments. So it's it's kind of hard to say that. The, Compromise does need to come, but we, Britain, Theresa May and her government have boxed Britain in. So essentially, is what is blocking Boris Johnson from trying to negotiate. That um, what might be happening here is what happens in the transfer window, in that all the deals are done in the last minute of the last hour of the last day, and all up until that is pushing and shoving and jockeying for position, elbowing and horse trading, really, but. Um, I, well, so that's that's the classic EU style as well, isn't it? The, yeah. The free end, the candlelit summits, coming like coffee's wait till the coffee's gone cold. But I don't see that happening now. So the, the kind of the mood is very much look, no deal is going to happen. Um, it's going to be Britain's fault because Britain had a, a deal that was offered and agreed by the British government and the EU, and now you've rejected it and want to rip it up. So it'd just be no deal. So what the kind of thinking is, October the 17th, which is the next European Council summit, Boris Johnson versus 27 other European leaders, will be a no-deal summit where they kind of come up with the final arrangements okay. for what happens in a no-deal. Uh, there, there won't be a last-minute compromise unless they find a joint landing zone that's acceptable. And from my kind of sources, they're saying the EU and Boris Johnson are just a million miles away at the moment. Okay. Mm. So oh, you... Do you... But oh no, you go. No, I, I hate to interrupt you. On, I hate on, that. On diplomats supposed to do diplomacy, and this this kind of thing, oh, we're just not going there. Tough luck is pretty much what got us here in the first place, isn't it? This lack of ability to to at least talk, or you know, and and if you said, well, I'm not talking to you, well, 
we're grown up. I'm afraid if the system, if the things, the circumstances change around that position which they have, then reopening communication seems the the mature thing to do. Even if you end up still in the same position, but at least talking. This this idea, it seems a bit playground to say, oh, we've said it already, so that's that. I think we kind of believe that the European Union is a, a kind of a political beast, but yes. it actually isn't. It's built on laws and rules and structures of how you bring people together. So it's not actually that political. So diplomacy does happen. And so that is why that Leo Radcar and Emmanuel Macron and Angela Merkel have all spoken to Boris Johnson and tried to have these calls. But essentially they are hemmed in by their rules and their laws that what actually enables them to do. And okay. as I mentioned earlier, the council conclusions state that the this extension period cannot be used to renegotiate the withdrawal agreement. So they are hemmed in by that legal agreement. But it's a legal agreement they've made, right? Yeah, based on made so on the, they, they could unmake it. Well, they would have to have that um, come back, and it would have to be done on the seventeenth of October at the next European Council okay. summit. All right. But what's significant about this is that this idea that we're do or die out by the thirty first of October, Boris is so- has been softening that stance now for a week, hasn't he? This kind of yeah, we'll be out, but we'll still be in for two years. Like it's, talk, you know, if anyone's softening their rhetoric, it certainly isn't Mr. Varica, is it, Paul? But but maybe uh, no, Johnson. I think Boris is a political chameleon, as we know, and. Um, Mm. whether it's do or die or do or mm, we'll think about it for a little bit yeah. uh, it, it may uh, that may happen and he could probably just about pull that off yeah well it's the beauty of not having any shame uh, isn't it? well uh, I, I wouldn't know Rebecca <laughs> yeah you're highly, highly principled um, I remember a few podcasts ago you were calling for a second referendum <laughs> a bit like Jeremy Hunt but we don't talk about that do we uh, Joe how do you think uh, do you, so do you think all this like no deal guff that we've got going on so we've got this um, the XS committee have you heard about this this thing that meets twice a week with the great and the good jo- uh, Boris Johnson Michael Gove Sajid Javid Dominic Raab no women absolutely no women in the room because Brexit doesn't doesn't affect women no, um, so I'm in, just making the point. There's nothing you can say to make it better. Um, so we've got them meeting. We've got them meeting twice a week. And then we've got um, the No Deal Planning Committee, which is obviously being headed up by Michael Gove. Like, we've ramped up. We're going to all get these. This, this, this 10. How much are they going to cost these leaflets that we're all going to get? Is it 10? I think it's 10, 10, 10 million quid. 10 million pounds worth yeah. of the biggest PR exercise since the end of the Second World War. Uh, so we're all going to get a leaflet telling us what to do when we're just overridden with dead lambs. Well, we had um, protect and survive in the seventies and uh, yeah, the seventies, I think. I think um, we'll all come and stay at your CMB. at this Brighton mansion that you've got. <laughs> Sounds like a survivalist night. Uh, heaven, no. heaven, doesn't uh, it? That was that was the last major leaflet uh, warning us all that yeah. the war was imminent and everything was going to be catastrophic. Yeah, no, so it only happens like really cheerful events, doesn't it? We get these these documents. Well, we're, we're forgetting the Conservative government leaflet um, ahead of the referendum. That is true, of course. All eight million yeah, yeah. quid's worth. Yeah. Yeah. So well, it isn't yeah, unprecedented. Well, thank, yeah, thank God that made it to everyone. And, um, but so, keeping but so, the public informed yeah, is probably us, a reasonably uh, key part of government. They I think, could listen to this podcast. <laughs> they should indeed. If they could hear anything. Yeah. Um, do you, so hang on. So they've like sort of set this. There's all this infrastructure going on now around no deal. We're taking, you know, it's being mentioned left, right, and centre. Even if Boris Johnson really has no deal, no intention of actually doing it, are they taking that more seriously in Europe? Is it getting through to them, Joe? Um, yeah, they, they they appreciate the work's been done because they they've been doing it since. November 2017, and they consider themselves very much ready for No Deal and actually mm. believe they've created themselves so it won't be a cliff edge, it'll be a slope for them, so it will be bad. They, they always go, the words like, oh, there will be consequences on both sides, it'll be a tragedy for both sides. But most kind of people you speak to are happy now that they're planning 
it won't result in a cliff edge. It will just be a gentle but this, slope. But Boris doing this and Boris also not booking any flights over to Europe anytime soon to chat to them, that hasn't kind of worried anyone over there yet. No, no, it's not not, not a problem because they just see, look, you've got a deal on the table, as I've mentioned before, and look, we can do things, but you've got to come a bit closer to us. So we're speaking about, you were speaking about Boris saying, oh, we might stay in the EU for two more years on single market and customs union. That is essentially only the transition period that the yeah. withdrawal yeah. agreement allows for. And so the EU have always said we can extend that. We can use it to bury the backstop. We can give you timetables to kind of give us rough dates on when we can implement alternative arrangements. We can essentially make it so the backstop is there, but there's a kind of a time limit in all but name because they won't ever call it a time limit because that's a massive red line for Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at this stage, um, the EU wants upon a time. So maybe after the first meaningful vote, if it wasn't a 250-odd defeat for the government, they might have put a bit of pressure on Ireland, but that is not going to happen now because at this stage, they're not going to offer leeway to what they see as a populist architect for Brexit when they've got their own member states to think of. They're not going to throw Ireland under the bus. That is... Deadly simple, like simple now. Under the bendy bus, obviously. Well, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't have any doors on the back. Don't run for it. Um, I know what will cheer us up. Maybe we'll just have a general election. (laughs) He's laughing. That's not even going to be the funniest joke on this podcast. Um, So we've got the new cabinet. It's it's pretty interesting. It is punchy. It's interesting. Uh, Um, Dominic uh, Cummings is obviously installed now at number ten. He's got the sought after desk outside Boris's office. Um, Dominic Cummings, obviously, who is not to be confused with Benedict Cumberbatch. Despite Although it's very easy to do that. Easily done. Um, <laughs> if only he were, that's of Lispy posh boy. Uh, I, um, I massively agree with you, by the way, um, Rebecca, that what? the war the cabinet is short of uh, three women. Um, oh. It's just... It just feels completely wrong that it's six blokes. Yeah, it does right? feel wrong. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Having said that, if you oh. look at the cabinet cabinet. <laughs> Which women would you have? Oh, maybe Amber. I'd have had an Amber Rudd in there. She can be part of the sisterhood. She was a Remainer until about 10 days ago, and now she seems very <laughs> I up for free. I think, I think that's why she's probably not there, to be Yeah, fair. yeah. Uh, but the cabinet itself is is uh, really interesting. It's the most um, kind of gender-balanced and ethnically diverse we've yeah, ever seen, I think. absolutely. And it, it makes, it kind of makes you look at the Labour alternative and they're starting to look like a party of old stale. white men absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, which we've hated don't they, you, they, 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 <laughs> you know imagine being an old they, white man the but yeah. th- really seriously they, they kind of talk the talk but they just do not walk the walk exactly and, and even Theresa may made that point didn't she in her yeah, final pmqs well, the, the tories have had two women prime ministers yeah we have a That's female two leader of scotland tories, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah 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 and the Greek, yeah and the lib dems so we women are in entire agreement rebecca oh gosh Oh, I don't know what to do now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> call it quits there, <laughs> but so, so it feels like we're getting ready for a general election, doesn't it? Because he's not just talking about Brexit. There's spending pledges left, right, and centre. Where he's all over the place. We're, you know, this. We're, we're, we're. This is the beginning of a campaign, isn't it? Um, I don't see how he, how he's got he's got, got quite a bit on his mind at the minute, and I'm just not sure. We can squeeze an election in between now and October the 31st. You, stranger things have happened, Paul. I, I, we are in crazy times, yeah. yeah. But I just don't get... I, I mean, I, I read a piece the other day saying it was actually technically impossible. Legally technically impossible. Oh, right, now, fine. Again, there may be... Lots of things have been legally technically impossible which turn out to be doable, so yeah. who knows? But I just I don't see how, um, as crazy as Boris might be, how he can run... Uh, 
the Brexit strategy and a, a general election yeah, at the same he's time. Not renowned. Well, he's it's actually not... very good at running two things alongside each other, isn't he? So maybe he'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even going to be the funniest joke. That's the best joke. <laughs> That was there it was. Oh, there it was really. How did we not win that <laughs> podcast award? Um so maybe we'll maybe leave maybe we'll leave the EU at the end of October and then he'll probably have a general election right because he might be surf, surfing a mega wave of popular popularity. Well also I mean they, they might have stopped booing. Um the Labour Party is so weak mm. that they're not his problem. It it's um it's probably still the Brexit party, but if he looks hard enough on Brexit, then it, the Brexit party will start to collapse a bit, and mm. that vote will fall away. So it, it's it's hard to see past. Um, I mean, the, the Lib Dems with their uh, woman at the helm, a la- lady leader, and that, yeah. is, that is looking a, a much stronger prospect uh, for Remainers to yeah. get behind than, than Labour, whose policy I still don't understand or get. No. Um, but still, it's hard to see past anything other than a, a Tory. Comfortable victory, not a lot. Oh, do you think a comfortable, comfortable victory, victory. Yeah, better yeah. than Theresa May's result last year? Better, better than, yes, absolutely. Was it 2017? Uh, it was 2017. Yeah. Joe, what do you think? Um, I think if Boris tries to deliver a no deal Brexit and then hold a general election after that, there's enough kind of warning signs that he will lose and become the shortest lived prime minister again because um, we're seeing kind of the financial markets, the money markets are all kind of complaining about no deal. Um, we don't know what's going to happen to Ireland, so no one in Scotland are going to vote Conservative again because they probably think, oh, we've been shafted as well. So I think he's in real dangerous territory if he goes early. Mm-hmm. But one thing that e- one thing the EU have constantly said is you can have another extension to the Article 50 period if you want to have a second referendum or a general election. So does he allow himself basically say that he's been hardballed by two parties. The EU won't negotiate with him, and then Remainers in Parliament are going to block no deal. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to extend and then hold an election, and he will hold it. Populist 101, the people, and Boris versus the establishment. And at that rate, he'll probably sweep up a lot of the Brexit party because it's a two-party system Mm. at the end of the day. And Labour, as you said, are confused. He might even gain... He might even use the Brexit party in the Northwest, in the West Midlands, to kind of gain and get traction into the heartlands of lay, the Labour League kind of communities. Interesting. And interesting. Well, I think that would be his safest bet. Yeah. Um, so you obviously just mentioned the economy there um, because it wouldn't have escaped anyone in this room that sterling has hit a fresh two-year low uh, against the dollar and the, and the euro, haven't we? Probably not the first time Boris Johnson has delivered a weak pound. And there it was. There it was, ladies and gentlemen. The joke of the week. Oh, you can't oh. hear it on the tape, but that was funny. Joe, do you want to laugh? <laughs> We're talking about Boris's weak pound, apparently. Oh, we just... Um, couldn't actually have happened... At, you are laughing. I can see the tears. I'm laughing um, with you, Rebecca. Absolutely. Um, that took that took a while to come up with... Um, uh, what was I going to say? It couldn't actually have happened at a worse time because people are going on holiday, apart from... Paul and Joe and me and everyone else in the room. Yes, we're having um, staycations, Brexit staycations. Staycations, um, so, but people are actually looking at people are actually looking at the exchange rates and care. Um, does does this mat like and nothing Boris can say whether it is kind of softening on the rhetoric of No Deal, or whatever. Nothing is is resuscitating the pound. It matters. It's happy days for Joe. You get paid in euros, right, Joe? No, I'm paid in pounds. Oh. So apparently, <laughs> I know. Um, so apparently, from when I moved to Brussels, which was nearly eighteen months ago, um, I am. 
20 fewer pints worse <gasps> off than well, I can um, see how that would hurt. what I would have been. I'm a very thirsty, thirsty I can see girl, how that would really I'm hurt. That's, see, that's real <laughs> politics, isn't it? That's, that's away so, from the yes, rhetoric. That, but this, this is essentially, at the end of the day, no one, there's a very few people that are truly Labour, truly Conservative. They vote with their pockets. And if you're getting hordes of kind of Middle England voters going, actually, my holidays now cost me an extra five, six hundred quid, they're going to be absolutely furious. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's the economy, stupid, right? Like that's what everyone always says about every election, like you say, Joe. And now I'm, it, it's tanking. People can't afford to go on holiday. I will. I would make the joke is it, again. But... Is it tanking, or is uh, it going to cost a little bit more to go to Orlando, Disneyland? It is. I think the point. Right? Or... But if I'm if I'm exporting <laughs> things, I'm thinking happy days. So you know, there's like anything when the pan goes up or down. There's always two sides, at least two sides. But we haven't, it hasn't bounced back. Like we've, it's, it's been a volatile was, currency, hasn't it? Since the, the vote, I, I was but... listening to uh, The World at One yesterday, and the BBC had put on this uh, analyst, ex broker, and they were desperate for him to say that the economy was in ruins. And he just wouldn't say it. He said, Do you know what? The pound was due a correction, and this hasn't surprised anybody in the markets. It was, it was coming, and this is it. It's come a little bit quicker than we thought. But then it also said, and this is a, an interesting thing, anyone who thinks they can second guess the pound will end up very embarrassed because it will do what it will do. And mm. us saying, oh, it's going to mean this, it's going to mean this. Uh, this was a guy who knew a great deal more than me about the markets, and he was saying just it's a fool's errand. So, so it's all fine? Uh, it's, it's normal is what it is. Was for what he was saying. It was the front page of the Daily Mail. Oh, well. Which is, well, like, well, that's I never wrong, is it? No. <laughs> I live my life by the front <laughs> page of the Daily Mail. This, Thank this, you. Is, this is t- taking lessons back from the Brexit campaign where Craig Oliver failed so spectacularly to convince people that the economy would slump after Brexit. Because everyone was like, look, it's not working for us anyway. Mm. But the pound was in a reasonable state then. Yeah. And now it translates into people not being able to buy their 20 extra points on holiday, yeah. that's when people start to take notice. Yeah, so absolutely. This is the, normal. The, the this economy is, might this be doing fantastically. But there's, there is a genuine correlation between Boris Johnson Pints and ramping up no-deal right, yeah. and, and things really? going down. And the pounds <laughs> dropping. So. Quiet, there so is we're, a correlation. We're, we're, so that's why that's why newspapers are hammering it because it's well, something people can actually the, relate the, to. The city, everyone, is. this is a cause for concern. And it's hitting consumers it, it, because it's at holiday. It's holiday time. Yeah, like so it's if, not just if, a media if, thing. If I was to say, like Rebecca, your your GDP, your gross domestic product is going to drop, you're going to be like, "Well, oh, what's that? That has no meaning to me." And then if I said, actually, now you can not, you can buy five fewer gin and tonics in Spain, people are going to actually start really like pines, but thank you. <laughs> well, that, that's. Yeah, no, 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 no. Exactly. Yeah, if if my woo woo budget is being hit by Brexit, get get me on the march for Your the second ref. Budget. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where exactly. Works. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I yeah. I think you guys. Are, I I appreciate your reasons to be cheerful, but I think um, if he doesn't resuscitate the pound pretty soon, um, this kind of thing spells trouble for for Boris. I think. Okay. Okay. I've got something fun, but a little rude to talk about now. Hey, here we are. <laughs> um, Rachel Thompson, who is an incredible journalist for Mashable, has been doing some research into the impact that Brexit has had on the nation's sex life. Oh, oh yeah. sorry, um, over to me then. Um, no, I, we're, no, we're not looking for personal <laughs> accounts, but it was just, it's just kind of like this no, interesting... No, I read this. That, I read yeah, this, the, right. the, um, a um, lot of people have, have, been, have divorced 
first the sex dries up and then you get divorced because um, no, you no, just no, can't no, get no, over no, if you read further <laughs> can't get over a, it <laughs> there was a flip side to it called the brexit horn yeah yeah i liked that okay. a lot all right and and People i read that it further <laughs> i thought i have used some ropey lines to get my leg over in the past right but <laughs> I need a sensory escape from yeah. the ever-growing Brexit despair. despair. Of, I think that's come on. Really, is that what they it's used in that coffee the shop worst. yesterday with you? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I need some uh, some escape from my Brexit malaise. Yeah, come on. I mean, it's just ugh. you don't buy it. So so far, Brexit's it. looking like a lot of dead, burnt lambs, no money, and no one shagging, and just a few, <laughs> and, or a few people no, are having no, a no, lot of sex. Apparently, everyone's shagging. That's a no. Point. Well, it, well, that's it. See, I've there's two sides to every story. Well, I read the, I read the people that were, and you <laughs> found the one person. See, that no, that's that's because you're, you're a gloom step. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm. That's where I'm going wrong. <laughs> does, does this mean? That we're going to have a second coming of the baby boomer generation. Exactly, the Brexit baby boom. Oh, Here it comes. Which is which is obviously a positive because it helps Britain's ageing population. Yeah, it does actually. Yeah. Mummy and daddy, mummy and daddy were seeking a sensory escape <laughs> from existential Brexit malaise. I remember from our favourite our favourite kind of Remain Abroad cast for Channel Four did a uh, Brexit wife swap special. A few oh years God. ago, so maybe that's uh, we have to go back and have to watch idea. that. Lay back and think a, of Britain. We need literally. a Brexit Love Island, don't we? Oh God, yeah, um, yeah. Just that was a little, a little, in, some, in, yeah, interesting. Sort of the social cost of Brexit is, I mean, the costs are mounting up, literally or not. Um, Joe, have you got anything you want to add before we before we say farewell? I would say, as we said last week, all eyes on Biarritz and the G7 yeah. summit. Trump is going to be there. We should probably mention that. Yeah. So Trump, this is the first time that Boris is going to come face to face, eye to eye, in his new role with um, those baddie European leaders. But Trump will be there. Yeah, they call him the he Will Melania um, be there? Ooh. Did they bring the plus one? <gasps> will help. Carrie be there? <laughs> I know well, you won't let me ever talk about Carrie, but my God, I'm desperate. I presume they, get, they, they do get the plus one, and they obviously their taxpayers pay for their kind yeah. of assistance and their travel together. So. Yeah, maybe she'll be too busy at that Bird conference. You know, she's at Bird. Have you seen that she's speaking at Bird 2019? No, I didn't know about that. About puffins. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, she's big into puffins. The plight of the puffins. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Well, yeah, forget, can, forget oh, that's the, something the, we can the all lambs. get behind, I think, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> they could become the national bird. I think that can unite as well, can't we? You know, the, the plight of the puffins. It's not it's a joke, Paul. It's not a joke. I'm not, I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe she'll be there in a lovely ghost or other dresses are available ensemble um, what's going to happen at the GE7 <laughs> so the EU leaders are going to be carefully watching Boris's move is he going to help them in their battle against Trump or is he going to side with Trump so that's a, a massive thing they'll be bilateral so I can imagine that it will probably be Boris's first meeting with Macron with Merkel um, Giuseppe Conte is going to be there from Italy so um, that will be his first kind of actual face-to-faces with EU leaders. Excellent. Okay. Um, and then after that, we might actually see Boris, or at least Steve Barkley, in his team jetting off to Brussels for once um, in the build-up to the October 17th summit, which, as it stands, could be used as a no-deal summit, because I don't think anyone sees currently in the state of play any room for any negotiations, for any extensions, so they will just get together their final, cobble together their final kind of plans together and have a passing handshake and farewell. And then it'd be no deal. I think it's going to be a, it's not you, it's me summit. And we're going to ask for more time. What do you think it'll be? Um, Well, the the blame Um, game, the blame game is important. The EU are always going to throw 
to blame for no deal on Britain and Boris is trying to do vice versa and blame it on the EU. So um, we could be in for a quite feisty exchange. I, I, I'm inclined to agree. I think um, the, the big up rhetoric about no deal is probably going to peter out. Yeah, exactly. And he'll be like, I need more time, babe. I just need more um, time. But he, he, because he's such a good uh, storyteller and showman, and you need that in politics, um, we'll probably buy it for a bit, I think. Yeah. So, you know, oh. um, if, it, if, it's in, if it seems to be in the interests of the nation, then we'll have to buy it, won't we? Well, if, if they start doing a, a, a subsidies for puffins, though, it could all it could all change. Did, they it? don't do those so well. <laughs> they should do. They should do. All those billions of pounds and the puffins are. No, absolutely. I, the other thing is, right? The bloke's been in the chair for seven days. We might need to give him a little bit more time to see what he can do. Yeah, but he's been gearing up for it for thirty. I mean, he's, he's been, been preparing up for this since, since he was born. Yeah, since <laughs> but, it, war game at Eton, right, he wanted right to now, do he's this. He's been in the chair for seven days. He's he's done some fairly. He's ticked quite a lot of de- uh, boxes for a lot of the electorate. I think the twenty thousand well, coppers. Been booed, strangled a chicken, wore a questionable yeah, coat, this, this, that's, that's <laughs> moved a girlfriend all, into taxpayer funded. That a few people fat. booing does not it's represent not a few the nation. Echoing. It was the whole day. It doesn't represent the nation. If you the the twenty thousand police officers that's a big tick for middle england uh the northern powerhouse rail that's a big tick for the north actually putting something into the north rather than just mm. george osborne's rhetoric that's a big tick he's got a united cabinet for good or ill that's the first time for a while yeah. so they can actually agree things in cabinet which is a start and and that general sense i mean he's invoking kind of the spirit of 60s america and blah 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 which, 60s america yeah the can the can do generation <laughs> do you not see that no, I, I thought that was all like beatnik jazz. And, oh, oh, actually, yeah, his free love attitude, maybe. <laughs> no, that can, that, that can do spirit of 60s America. And that there's a certain, and that, that kind of, could, that op- boundless optimism, which sometimes comes across as a bit crass and mental, it's, it, after three years of Theresa May's dispiriting, sort of shoulder shrugging, giving upness, is. Quite a but her, shul- her shoulder shrugging, giving upness didn't like tank the economy, did it? And it didn't stop us all going on holiday. Well, That's what I'm going to say. The economy hasn't tanked. It bloody has. <laughs> two year low, one dollar two one two zero against the dollar on Tuesday. That's not the entire. No, the one that matters, our one, you toes. It's not. It means right. You be paying a bit more for your pint in Orlando when you go to Disneyland. You're still going to Disneyland. And Brussels, sorry, Joe. I know that really hurts. Okay. Calm, calm down, down the Dow Jones. Paul Baldwin knows what it's all about. What, um, well, let's have you could replace Mark Carney, couldn't you, at this rate? Is that what you're going yeah, for? To be honest, uh, you could do a lot worse. <laughs> Right. Well, that was a hoot, wasn't it? Um, can't wait to reunite with you all. Are you here next week, Joe? Or are you going to be on holiday? Oh, no, you can't go on holiday. Can you? Oh, no, you can. It's us that can't. We're staycationing. No, I'm, 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 I'm around next can't week. Can't wait. That's fine. An honour and a privilege. Until next time. Thank you, chaps. Thank you for listening to Brexit The Final Countdown. If you like what you heard, make sure you click subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, you could always leave us a review.